0: for people who've given up on church, but not on God. If you'd like to learn more about our locations in Huntersville, Davidson, and Denver, North Carolina, you can check us out online at lateforce.org. Thanks. Well, we need to start off today with a little bit of a quiz because there's a little bit of a debate that has been going on in my household for the last 20 years. Uh, I want you to think about that fluffy, maybe it's white, maybe it's patterned, but that fluffy thing on your bed that you pull over you at night, right? Now, you got the picture of what I'm talking about? Don't don't say anything out loud. You know what I'm talking about? Now, I want you to think about what word you use to describe said fluffy thing. Turn to a neighbor and tell them what word you use for that. All right. Were you in agreement with the person next to you or was it? No, no. A little bit of tension, right? A little bit of tension on this one. Yeah. Uh, so so when I first got married, uh, I had grown up in, in the South and uh, the Southwest. And so uh, the word that I used for this said thing was the comforter. How many comforter people out there? Comforter people, right? right. Okay. Now, now my wife and her family, they they... We're from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, kind of French culture. And so they referred to this. You remember, well, I didn't warn you about this. They, they referred to it as a duvet. duvet. Any duvet people out there? Any duvet? A couple of y'all. All right. Du, like, right? Duvet. So, so here, here's, what, here's what I learned about comforters and duvets. Uh, it's actually the same thing. They're both blankets, right? One, one. I'll let you guess which one. One sells at Target for $50. The other sells at Nordstrom's for $500. It was it's funny, I was thinking about comforters, and uh, you, you, you can all, even as I say the word, you can kind of feel it wrapped around you, can't you? Kind of visceral. You Ah, oh, my comforter, right? Some of you are thinking, I wish I could just crawl right back in right now. Uh, but we, we love comfort in our culture. We, we, in fact, many of us, we're not really interested in, in, in just a God of comfort. We, we kind of worship comfort. Comfort kind of is our God. Uh, I was thinking about this. We, we go to no we, we spare no expense when it comes to our own comfort in our culture. In fact, I was looking on Amazon at some items that we purchase to try and pursue our own comfort. Uh, the first of these is, is uh, you, know, when, you know, that painful experience when you have to cut onions and, and, and you just you start crying? Well, well, no longer. Because you can get a pair of onion-proof goggles just like these. Um 1999 Amazon right there, end of all your woes. Okay, uh, or how about this one? Uh, you know, when you're going skiing, you're going up to the mountains, but you don't have time to grow that really cool hipster manly beard to keep your cheeks warm? That's right, you can get the beard skull cap combo, um, just like that, right? Again, you, you don't have to have the real thing, just comfort, just comfort like that, right? Uh, or, or how about this one? If you, uh, you stayed up really late uh, on Sunday night, you know, you go to work the next one, you stay up really late, Reading your Bible, of course, and uh, and you went and you just were so tired at work, and you need a little bit of nap, but it's bright and it's noisy. Well, you can get the ostrich pillow, uh, and take a little nap on your desk right there. It's literally called the ostrich pillow, uh, which also means like when your day, you know, you just need to stick your head in the sand. You know, that's that's your perfect solution. Okay, but this last one, this is real pain. I mean, this is. I almost wanted to buy this, okay, when I saw this, because there's a kind of pain that parents know that is unmatched by any other pain in the world, and and that is the pain of stepping on Legos barefoot. You know the pain I'm talking, you feel me on this? Thankfully, Lego has come out with padded Lego slippers. (laughs) A French designer designed these. These are really for sale, uh, and you too. And now, what's really cool about these is they actually double as water skis. And in the event of a water evacuation as a flotation device. So uh, you've got multiple comforts there. You know, our culture is kind of comfort crazed. We, we have a very low time. We, we expect to be comfortable at all times. But in spite of all of our technologies, all of these great new devices, there is yet a kind of pain. There's yet a kind of ache that many of us feel. I would dare say all of us feel at some point in our lives, deep in our hearts and our souls, that no amount of external comfort can solve. No amount of money, no amount of prestige, no amount of education, no amount of sex or pleasure, no amount of vacations to exotic places can comfort us in those deep, deep places. We're in a series called The Third Person, And it's all about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. The role the Spirit plays in the Bible is crucial. And the role that the Spirit plays in the life of the believer, in the life of the Christian, is crucial. And there's one role that I think we often overlook when it comes to the Spirit in our lives, and that is the role of comforter. In fact, we see this show up in the early church in the book of Acts, chapter 9. In the book of Acts, you'll recall, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, God gives the Spirit to the Jesus movement to help create the church. But it's not easygoing at first, is it? There's all kinds of resistance. There's persecution. There's hatred. There's rejection from family and friends. Some of the, uh, some of the leaders in this early church are even arrested. Some of them are even killed for speaking the name Jesus. Things are not going really well for this early church. And we see this in Acts 1 through 8. And then suddenly we come to chapter 9 and there's this one little verse. It's almost like Luke, the author, gives us a glimpse inside the church in the midst of all this chaos and persecution. And he says this. Look at what he says in Acts 9.31. Yet, yet, the church throughout all Judea And Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace being built up, and they lived in the fear of the Lord and in the, there it is, the comfort of the Holy Spirit as they continued to increase. What was it about the Holy Spirit in the lives of these early believers that even when the world around them was chaos, the scriptures say they were able to live in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. That's what I want to talk with you about today. Is it possible for you and me, those of us who would identify ourselves as Christians, and if you would not identify as a Christian today, that's okay. This might be a reason for you to decide to become a Christian if this is really true, if there really is a God who can comfort us even in our deepest ache and longing. So the question we're going to try and answer today is one, is that true? And two, if so, How can we experience that kind of comfort? We're going to look today at three snapshots, three short verses that each uh, have something to say about how we experience this comfort. So if you're taking notes, I'll I'll note these as we go. Three different snapshots, three different verses, each teaching us something about the Holy Spirit. Snapshot number one uh, comes from the passage uh, we heard read aloud today. Uh, Let me pick this up in verse Fifteen that Zoe read for us. John writes this. He says, if you love me, this is Jesus speaking. If you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will send you, he will give you another comforter. Not duvet, comforter. <laughs> to help you and to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be you in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. What's this all about? Well, at this point in the gospel of John, Jesus has been preparing his followers for his departure. He's getting ready uh, to leave them, when he will return to heaven to be with his father. And understandably so, the guys are kind of freaking out. They're like, Jesus, don't leave us, man. We, we want you to stay with us. You've been such a great encouragement, such a great strength, such a great comfort to us. And Jesus pulls them aside. And he says, listen, guys, don't worry. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to give you another comforter, the Spirit. Now, the word that Jesus uses here is a very interesting word for the spirit. Very interesting word for the comforter. It is the word paraclete. Everyone say paraclete. paraclete. All right. So uh, I had a, a fellow student in my Greek class who used to say, uh, yeah, you know, the Holy Spirit kind of walks with you. It's kind of like a pair of cleats. <laughs> it wasn't funny then. It's not funny now. Uh, <laughs> seminary humor never is funny. I did note to self. All right. Pericle, what is a pericle? Well, pericle just means someone who is called alongside of another. That's what the word means. It literally means just to come alongside of, to walk with. You can think of this as like a spiritual wingman. Now, his job is not to get you a date at the bar, but you get the idea, right? The wingman is, he's right there with you. And I I saw this picture, I thought, what, what an image of the pericle. The one who comes alongside us to comfort us, to encourage us, to strengthen us. See, the reason this word is so important is that Jesus wants us to understand something, that no matter what comes our way in life, no matter what, no matter what challenge you face, no matter what difficulty or loss or anxiety or burden, God is not somehow far off. He is not somewhere way out there. He is right here with us. And that we first begin to experience comfort when we recognize that we are not alone. Comfort comes. Comfort comes. Here's our first snapshot. Comfort comes when we recognize the Spirit is with us. I remember as a child. Do you remember your first stomach flu as a little kid? Did anybody remember? I, 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 oh, it was so scary. I was about five years old, and I remember just this feeling coming over me. I won't get graphic here, I promise. I, I remember this feeling coming over me, and I, and I, ran, you know, I ran down the hall. I was, I lived on, I was, my room was on one side of the house. Mom and Dad's was on the other, and I ran to the bathroom right outside my bedroom, and I, I ran in, and then my body just kind of got taken over by this flu, right? I mean, you know the deal you don't really have any control over your body when you have the stomach flu and I remember just there in the dark in, in the restroom feeling feeling so scared I mean this was kind of crazy my body's like whoa what's happening you know and I, I remember just feeling so terrified in that moment and and I I was powerless because I couldn't leave the bathroom right and I also couldn't cry for help so there I was just kind of alone in the bathroom And I remember in the darkness, as I'm just continuing, my body's just continuing to try and purge itself of this virus. Suddenly I felt on my back, a warm, strong hand placed right between my shoulder blades. My father had heard me from the other side of the house and unbeknownst to me had come and was standing with me in the dark, putting his hand on my back. And though I did not stop my natural body process, suddenly I experienced a kind of comfort in the midst of that that I did not even know was possible. Jesus says, guys, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come and be with you. Better yet, I will come and be in you through the Holy Spirit. See, the remarkable truth about the scriptures is that the Holy Spirit, get this, the Holy Spirit is with us in every moment, in every trial, in every difficulty. If you are a Christian, here's the promise of the scriptures. You have the Holy Spirit right now living inside of you. Did you know that? Can someone say amen, (laughs) right? I mean, we can so easily lose sight of this, can't we? It's so easy to forget that the God of the universe, the God who created the universe, is right here with us. We're so busy. We're so distracted. We're we're so preoccupied trying to comfort with all these externals. We don't stop long enough to realize that God is with us, the God who comforts us. So question number one for you today is this. How might your life be different If you could live with a tangible awareness of God's presence. Just think about that for a minute. How would your stress be different? How would your anxiety be different? How would your illness be different? How would your grief be different? If you could live with the tangible reality that God is with you. Comfort comes when we recognize the spirit is with us. But it doesn't stop there. The scriptures teach a second thing about this spirit. Snapshot number two. Comfort comes when the spirit prays for us. Have you ever had the experience in your life where you desperately needed God to do? You desperately needed God's intervention. You desperately needed his comfort, but you simply had no words to pray. Have you ever had that feeling? Paul says, look, when you don't even have words to pray, guess what? The Holy Spirit is praying for you. Look what he says in Romans chapter 8. He says this, in the same way, the same way as what? The same way the world is groaning in pain and aching. In the same way as that. The Spirit helps us in our weakness we do not know what to pray for, what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans, and He searches our hearts. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Now, I know this can sound like one of those kind of creepy, strange, churchy things. Like, does this mean that when I'm praying, I'm going to suddenly start like, Rrr. no, no, that's not what this is about, okay? It's not groan, because this word groan can actually be translated as sighing as well. It, it, has the, it has this kind of thrust. this kind of like, oh, you ever felt that way? I found this truth to be especially helpful, especially comforting in times of grief. When we have lost a loved one or lost a relationship or lost a job or lost a dream, It can be particularly difficult to know how to pray. The words just won't come. And our culture isn't much help to us on this one, is it? I mean, just I'm with you on this, so I'm I'm throwing myself under the bus too, but we we really don't know how to grieve very well. I mean, the minute we lose, the minute we suffer some kind of loss, we feel this unction. There's your SAT word for the day. We feel this unction to fix it, right? To resolve it. To hide it, to solve it, to stuff it, to sweep it, to clean it up, whatever. That's our, that's our where our culture goes. We don't know how to just sit with that pain. And what psychologists tell us is that as a result of that, we as a culture are, well, we're kind of like little toddlers when it comes to this grieving. We really don't know how to do it. And we don't know how to help one another do it. But God's people in the Old Testament, if we are toddlers, God's people were experts at grieving. Look at uh, some of these examples from the book of Psalms. Psalm 6, 3 says this, my soul is in anguish. How long? O Lord. This is the prayer book of God's people. Did you know you're allowed to pray that way? How about this one? Uh, Psalm 88, 3. I am overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. Translate that into current teenager speak. I am so stressed out. I feel like I'm going to die, Right? But isn't that true? We are all in those ways. Did you know that these are prayers of God's people? In fact, as much as two-thirds of the book of Psalms are what scholars call prayers of lament. They validate our pain by giving voice to it. Now, what's crazy is when you talk to people who work closely with others in death and loss, we don't really, we, they'll tell you, we don't really know what to do. We don't even know what to do with our own pain, which makes it hard to help someone else in theirs. It's, but in this moment, when the Holy Spirit prays for us, he's doing more than praying for us from a distance. Remember, where does the Holy Spirit reside according to Paul, according to the scriptures? In me. So when the Holy Spirit is making sighs, groaning pains, what the Holy Spirit is doing is coming into me, coming into you, taking on your pain, taking on my pain, making it his pain, and voicing it to God on our behalf. Validating our hurt and our anguish, but taking it to God for us. I learned something about this idea of the Holy Spirit praying for us this last week that I had not known before. Uh, And I learned it from a new friend. Uh, Some of you will know I was in Massachusetts this last week at a grad school program because I'm just a glutton for punishment and decided to go back to school. Uh, I flew to Boston. The school's about two hours outside of Boston. And I needed a ride from Logan Airport to where the school was. But because I'm cheap, I didn't want to rent a car. So I, re- I emailed the other 12 guys uh, and gals in the, in the cohort. And I said, hey, can anybody pick me up at the airport? No one wrote back. So uh, this one person, her name is Ming. Uh, Ming saw my email and she said she asked her husband and best friend that night, uh, should I go pick up this guy? This, her words, this poor boy looks like he needs a lot of help. <laughs> And I said, Ming, you have no idea, right? I mean, just ask my church, right? So so, uh, her her husband and, and best friend said, you know what, he's a big boy. He can figure this out. Leave him alone. Ming went to bed that night. Her words, she said, Aaron, the Holy Spirit would not let me sleep. So Ming, who by the way, was already at the school, drove two hours out of her way to pick me up and then brought me down. Now that's not the remarkable part of the story. What's remarkable is the conversation I got to have with Ming on the way from the airport to this school, two hours in this car. I asked Ming to share a bit of her story with me, and I asked her permission to share this with you. Uh, Ming grew up in uh, Vietnam. She was born in 1957. Uh, Her family were middle-class business owners. She was 11 years old when the Viet Cong, the communists, came to her town, and her family lost everything. Her father and brother were shot in front of her at the age of 11. She and her family tried to escape Vietnam, uh, but both times they were caught. Uh, she was thrown in prison where she was tortured and abused. She contemplated taking her own life. But she told me how she would lay in her prison cell at night in the pitch blackness because it was, there was no exterior light into this room. She said she would would lay there, and because they were not allowed to make any noise, she would weep silently to God. Her cellmate told her that there was no God, and that if there was a God, he had abandoned them, and that she should give up her faith. But Ming refused to give up. And finally, years later, at the age of 18, Ming, together with her brother, bribed one of the prison guards and escaped through the sewer system of the prison. They boarded an Indonesian fishing boat, even though she did not know how to swim, and fled for her life. You would think that that would be the end of Ming's story, but it was just beginning. Ming would spend a couple years in France. Uh, She was fluent in French, uh, or had learned enough in school that she was able to work, even though her brother could not. She helped feed herself and her brother uh, for a couple years there when she was able to reunite with some of her extended family in Australia. But because of all the trauma that Ming had gone through and because of her immense sense of worthlessness, uh, she battled depression and substance abuse and addiction uh, and her marriage soon fell apart. Ming would later uh, marry a second time uh, an American that she met in Sydney. Uh, They married 10 years ago, and she moved to the US. Ming is now an ordained Presbyterian pastor. And I asked her, I said, Ming, I'm sharing with my church this Sunday about the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Because when you're a pastor, that's what you do, right? You just import your sermon wherever you go. I said, Ming, have you ever experienced that? I mean, when I listen listen to your story, Ming, I I can't even fathom. Have have you experienced any of God's comfort in your life? Now, I wish I could do Ming's voice for you because Ming grew up Vietnamese. She knew French second. She learned English in Australia. So so she speaks with the most amazing accent that's Vietnam, French, Australia, English. I mean, it's awesome. And you guys will get to meet her. She's going to come down and share her story with us. Uh, She's written a book about her memoirs. It was published three weeks ago. I've asked her to come this year. But here's what she said when I said, Ming, have you ever experienced the comfort of God's spirit? She said, Aaron, I have lots of scars on my heart. Scars are proof that God is healing me, but sometimes the scars still hurt. And then she continued. She said, Aaron, I cry a lot. But that's okay. Because I know that God is praying for me even through my tears. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. What if the next time you didn't know how to pray, you simply rested in the truth that God's Spirit is praying for you even when you cannot? Comfort comes from knowing that we are not alone comfort comes from knowing god's spirit is praying for us and third and finally comfort comes when we comfort others look at how paul describes this in his letter to the church in corinth he writes praise be to god to the god and father of our lord jesus christ the father of compassion and the god of all comfort who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. See, one of the most remarkable things about Christianity is not that God spares us from all and any hardship in our lives. That's simply not the gospel. And the story of the early church in Acts is proof. God does not promise that things will be easy. Jesus himself said in this life, listen, you're going to have some trouble. But the remarkable thing about trouble, the remarkable thing about trials and hardship, the remarkable thing about our grief and our pain and our disappointment and our loss is that God will redeem it. God doesn't simply comfort us in our trouble. He invites us to play the comforting role by extending that comfort to others from the same comfort that he has given us. And this, my friends, is exactly what Ming shared with me on that two-hour ride from Boston to the school. She said this, she said, Aaron, God hasn't given up on you. He hasn't given up on you. If he can do this in my life and in my story at the age of 63, just imagine what he can do in your story. And then she said, Aaron, tell that to your church. And so I'm on the hook. That's why I had to tell you that today. Because Ming's gonna text me. He said, Did you tell them? Did you tell them God hasn't given up on them? He can redeem their hurt, he can redeem their story, he can comfort them, and then they can comfort others. That's why he gives us that comfort. What a remarkable God. What a remarkable God. One who is with us in our trials, one who prays for us when we cannot pray for ourselves, and one who comforts us and invites us to participate in the comfort of others. Praise be to God, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those. In any trouble. As we end today, I want to simply invite you to reflect. Where in your life do you need the comfort of God's Spirit? Where in your life? As I've been talking today, my guess is that something has percolated for you. Something has, has come to the surface for you. And what if that's God's Spirit praying for you? What if this morning God wants to come and bring his comfort into those deepest places of our soul? For the others of us, We've never considered the fact that maybe our healing is now purposed in sharing that healing with others. How might God want to use you to bring healing in the life of another?